Greetings, friends, and welcome to The Word is Resistance. This is a podcast where we look at Christian sacred texts through the lens of what they have to say for white Christians who are resisting racism. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith, or Showing Up for Racial Justice. You can find out more about Showing Up for Racial Justice at showingupforracialjustice.org. This is a podcast designed with white and Christian listeners like me in mind. We know that white Christianity has a long alliance with white supremacy and empire, and that's an alliance we feel called to disrupt. It is, of course, for anyone and everyone to listen to as well, and we deeply value feedback from listeners of color and from those from other faith traditions. My name is Reverend Margaret Ernst, and I'm an ordained minister in covenant with the United Church of Christ. I'm recording today from lands traditionally held by the Lene Lenape in Lenape territory called the Lenape Hawking. The city I live in is Philadelphia. Today, I'm honored to bring you this special episode, which features an interview with Rabbi Jessica Rosenberg. Rabbi Jessica and I talk about being white religious leaders in solidarity with Palestine and how that ties to racial justice work in our own neighborhoods. We also talk about an important role for Christians in disrupting and taking responsibility for Christian theology that has influenced U.S. policy that aids and abets Israel's occupation of Palestine and the ongoing Israeli settlement of Palestinian lands in the West Bank. To learn more about what's happening in Palestine and Israel through the lens of racial justice, please join Surge this Thursday on May 18th at 8 Eastern. You can register at bit.ly backslash Palestinian Liberation. The song that you'll hear throughout the podcast is of Dr. Vincent Harding's Song for the Freedom Movement. It's of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014. We are, as always, deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use this amazing song for the podcast. found a tiny children's music box on my desk. I've had it ever since I was five. I know because my name is on it in Sharpie in jagged children's handwriting. When you wind it up, it plays O Little Town of Bethlehem, getting slower and slower until the music fades. As a kid, I remember being in Sunday school rooms, exploring maps of ancient Israel on the walls, being fascinated by biblical history. I knew very little about what the lives were like of the people who live there now. I later learned that there was great conflict in the area of the world that Westerners call the Middle East, but nearly nothing of its roots. Only recently have I learned about Christian Zionism. It believes that the modern state of Israel has a cosmic purpose to bring about the second coming of Jesus. On its surface, this theological and political approach to Israel can appear to be supportive of Jewish well-being and Jews' right to safety and security. 
but it's actually a cover-up for a read of the Bible that falls in line with Christianity's most destructive and deadly forms of anti-Semitism, replacement theology and supersessionism. In the most extreme Christian Zionist views of the end times, the gathering of Jews to Israel assumes that Jews will convert to accept Jesus, and all who do not convert, among the rest of the world's people who are not Christian, will go to hell. In other words, it treats the state of Israel, Jewish people, and the erasure of Palestinians as a means to an end in a salvation plan, meanwhile supporting policies that create hell on earth. You might be familiar with this kind of thinking, or it might be very unfamiliar to you. Many Christians have come from or been hurt by or left church communities that share about Jesus through weaponizing fear about whether or not we will be left behind when Jesus returns. The problem is, without seeing through the lens of those occupied by Rome in the New Testament, this apocalyptic vision, specifically in Revelation, has become a standard bearer of Christian imperialism. That's why unwinding the assumptions behind Christian Zionism connects to unwinding some of the most harmful practices of Christianity. Unfortunately, these theologies that seem to offer us comfort by offering us a new heaven and a new earth miss almost all who Jesus actually was. Groups like Christians United for Israel have increased Christian support and pressure for Israel's settler movement, the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from Jerusalem, and ignoring and erasing Palestinian human rights and dignity. Christian Zionism is largely an influence on the political right and in the Republican Party, but its outsized role, especially in influencing the Trump administration on Israel in the past four years, has exacerbated the current situation in Palestine and Israel. Palestinians have written that it is not just among the most extreme forms of Christian Zionism, but a general unquestioning support for Israel among most American Christians and apathy by the suffering of Palestinians that they are concerned about. I hope this conversation with Rabbi Jessica will shed some further light on the context of multi-faith resistance to the practices that human rights organizations have now deemed in Israel are apartheid. Here's what Rabbi Jessica wanted me to share about who she is. Rabbi Jessica Rosenberg is an organizer, writer, and early riser, currently rerouting on Dakota land in what is now known as South Minneapolis. She became a rabbi in order to learn her people's diverse and nuanced histories and to create spaces, rituals, tools, and organizing that helps them transform relationships to past, present, and future. heart-filled, earnest guide for me in helping to call me into account for the realities of the political power of Christian Zionism. I don't think I knew that word before I knew you, and that is a failure of my own theological institution, really of us as Christian leaders, that we don't even know how to name the ways in which our tradition is wielded to do violence against Palestinians and behind the scenes of U.S. policy. The fact that you have made this visible to me is a gift 
And I thank you for extending that gift to me so that I can continue to make it visible for others. Reverend Margaret, thank you. Um, being so well received by comrades who want to learn and are open to listen makes it possible for us to all learn and grow and struggle alongside each other. So thank you for that. I want to ask you to start with what you want to share about this week in Gaza and in the West Bank um, in this moment in Palestine and in Sheikh Jarrah. And then to share with us longer, bigger picture about how, how and why you have been working as a rabbi and in solidarity with Palestine. Thank you. So as of this morning, May 14th, 2021, at least 122 Palestinians, including 31 children, have been killed. More than 900 Palestinians have been wounded. Six Israelis have been killed. And these deaths come alongside decades and centuries of colonial violence. And I believe that it's so deeply important for all of us to stop and grieve and listen to the stories of people's lives in Gaza and in Jerusalem and across Palestine and take on a, our relationship to these deaths and this brutality that we're deeply connected to it as humans who want there to be more life um, and as people of faith, people of conscience, as US taxpayers, and if we are Christians or Jews as people whose theologies and cultures and community and histories are being used to justify and perpetrate this atrocity. So I'm just pausing to, to be with, to not rush past our grief. So I'm talking to you, my friend, this morning because I think it's really sacred work to talk in, in our communities about transforming Jewish communities, Christian communities into anti-racist, abolitionist, anti-Zionist communities. And that that is both theological and theoretical and spiritual work, and then also um, practice and building and political structural change and um, how we organize ourselves where we put our bodies, where we put our money, all sorts of ways. My story um, of how I got involved in Palestine Solidarity Organizing um, was from hanging out in queer and trans organizing community and anti-racist organizing community, meeting Palestinians and meeting anti-Zionist Jews in those contexts. Because of those relationships, having to relearn everything that I was taught about Israel-Palestine. And... I feel really grateful for all the people who heard and listened and supported and probably heard me talk through some complicated and feelings about what it meant to be a Jew who was coming into understanding the colonization of Palestine as something I was implicated in. I'm just really grateful for everyone who then and since then has supported me and so many others to keep struggling and wrestling and um, bring our full selves to this movement work. So now I'm a member of the JVP Rabbinical Council and uh, grateful to get to struggle alongside so many who are rising up in more and more numbers for justice in Palestine.
in our work with faith communities through search, we've encouraged people to take on in predominantly white faith communities to learn about ab what abolition means, mm -hmm. to learn about the lineage of abolitionist organizing, largely through Black-led struggle. You currently live in Minneapolis. I am here in Philly, and we have both experienced what it's like to be white folks in struggles against police brutality in our neighborhoods. As this week in Palestine has unfolded, I was wondering if you can call us in to think about what does this mean for you to be involved in Palestinian struggle right now as a white Jewish leader uh, who's also an abolitionist who's informed by that framework in all of your work? So as a white woman, I have been told that the police are the key to my safety. And as a Jew, I've been told that the state of Israel is the key to my safety. And I reject both of these toxic lies. I reject them because Palestinian lives destroyed by the Israeli state and Black lives destroyed by police are sacred. And I reject these lies because they don't actually keep me safe and they don't create the world I want to live in. Now we see it so clearly because our police are militarized, but the police and military have always been different expressions of the same logic, which is that of whether, you know, we say state control, the city control, the state control, the county control, the U.S. military are ways of protecting white wealth and domination. And whether that's in my neighborhood in Minneapolis or with the Line 3 protests a few hours from me, the Israeli state in Palestine, um, those are all different expressions of the same logic, which is wealth hoarding and white power, white European control, and the, the control and domination of, of a few over the lives of the many, of most, of most people on the planet. You have taught me a lot about why it is not only important for Christians and people raised Christians to be involved in solidarity with Palestine just because everyone should be, but like why specifically taking responsibility for Christian Zionism is so important. Why is it so important as a Jewish rabbi who's involved in this work to see Christians taking responsibility for our role with Christian Zionism and the support of the occupation? What would it make possible if we yeah. were actually taking up our piece of the work with courage and with risk? So one reason it's important for Christians to specifically call out Christian Zionism is that the Christian Zionist lobby is incredibly powerful. And while I really want to honor and uplift the work that uh, a number of Christian denominations have done to support the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, from Palestine. I have not seen Christians, progressive Christians, Christians in solidarity with Palestine, especially white Christians in solidarity with Palestine in the U.S., challenge um, Christian Zionists, the Christian Zionist lobby. Christians United for Israel as one of the largest Zionist lobbying organizations. There are more Christian Zionists in the U.S. than there are Jews in the world. And I think we really need to collectively investigate that and understand what it means um, for the political map that we're in. And I want to see Christians in solidarity with Palestine challenging Christian Zionists politically, theologically, <laughs> materially.
publicly. Christian Zionist theology is Islamophobic and racist and anti-Semitic. Um, and when I say racist, I mean because it puts Christians as a people above all others. In your experiences of doing work with Christians against Christian Zionism, are there times you thought about that this has been really helpful? And also, like, what do you see as not helpful? What is what do you what would you ask of us as we engage in this work and take on our responsibility? So I was really honored to, alongside Palestinian Christian leadership, um, be present in uh, D.C. in summer 2019 to counter and disrupt the Christians United for Israel conference. That was so deeply inspiring to see Christians say, not in our name, to understand that what's happening in Palestine is actually happening for Christian supremacy, <laughs> just as it's happening for an idea of Jewish supremacy with Jewish Zionism, that Christian Zionism is a big part of the equation about what's happening in Israel-Palestine. And to see Christians say, not in our name, and we have a stake in this, was incredibly powerful. And to do that with people who are uh, committed to being in multi-faith, cross-racial, cross-cultural relationships where we learn together and struggle together has been deeply inspiring and fueling to my work. And, you know, like I'm struggling with this question because, I, you know, I have so many years of experience of Jews saying not in our name because of the understanding of how deeply Zionism has co-opted and overwhelmed Judaism. And I don't know what to tell Christians about how to get the Zionism out of your Christianity. That's work for you all to do. I want to lift up the work of Fasna as being who I've seen really lead um, in that work. Um, and the incredible work of Palestinian Christians um, who are calling out their own communities of Christians in the U.S. to say, join us. I think the shift I want to see is like, I've seen, there's there's often Christian organizing in solidarity with Palestine um, that feels from a place of distance and a place of charity um, and not from a place of an actual implication of how Christians benefit from settler colonialism in Palestine and not from a place of uh, understanding the power of Christian Zionism. I wanna encourage everyone to take a risk this week to get it wrong. Before we hit record, I told Reverend Margaret, Margaret about my discomfort with being a white Jewish woman speaking, getting the mic today um, when Palestinian voices are so often pushed aside um, in favor of Jewish voices. And I'll say as an anti-Zionist Jew, I need to speak up and say not in my name. And also at the very same time, I need to decenter myself from the conversation. And I wanna invite anti-Zionist Christians to step into that struggle with me and wrestle with when you need to speak up and say not in my name and when to decenter yourself and how to do that at the very same time. And for all white anti-racist organizers, we know that that's an ongoing struggle that we don't resolve and then get to rest in. That's a tension that we have to live in. So I want Christians to publicly struggling or uh, in, in movement struggling with how much space to take up, how to challenge your own people, your family, your institutional leaders, your movement leaders, how to take risky action, how to build relationships, 
with Palestinian-led movements, with anti-Zionist Jewish organizations and movements, honesty and struggle and accountability. I want people to take action together and to take risks together. We need everyone. to Kairos Palestine, a call to action from Palestinian Christians writing to churches of the world in 2009, theologians and clergy in the U.S. wrote this confession, which still stands true. As the body of Christ in the United States, we confess that by not speaking truth to power, we have failed to follow the call of Jesus to serve God with love and compassion for all people. We have failed to challenge our government's policies. Rather than acting as an honest broker in negotiations between Israelis and Palestinians, our government has consistently supported, both financially and diplomatically, the actions of Israel that have brought suffering to Palestinians, continuing insecurity to Israelis, and the declining prospect of a just peace. In 1985, South Africans wrote a Kairos document calling to churches across the world. Kairos means the moment of grace and opportunity, the favorable time in which God issues a challenge to decisive action. Rabbi Jessica mentions that she's on the Rabbinical Council for Jewish Voice for Peace. Jewish Voice for Peace is a national organization dedicated to a policy based on peace, human rights, and respect for international law. You can learn more about Jewish Voice for Peace and its actions in solidarity with Palestinians at www.jewishvoiceforpeace.org voiceforpeace.org. She also mentioned participating in an interfaith action in 2019 with FASNA, which stands for Friends of Sibyl of North America. FASNA is a Christian ecumenical organization seeking justice and peace in the Holy Land through nonviolent advocacy and education. Sibyl is an international peace movement initiated by Palestinian Christians who seek a just peace as defined by international law and existing United Nations resolutions. You can learn more about the Friends of Sibyl of North America and download their awesome toolkit on teaching and taking action against Christian Zionism at www.fasna.org. Now that you have listened, are you feeling open or closed? Is shame coming up? Confusion? Disorientation? Heartbreak? Helplessness? Hope? Taking in new information, perspectives, or challenges can be unsettling, and that's okay. Being moved by news of violence in Palestine should call us into deep questioning, not just about Palestine, but all forms of colonialism and conquest, especially when it's done in our names as Americans, as white folks, or as Christians. The heresy of Christian Zionist theology reinforces and is interlinked with anti-woman, in anti-LGBTQ theologies and theology against poor people. To dismantle its hold on our politics is to set our stake down in our collective well-being and the redemption of Christianity from its own cruel hegemony. 
People are rising up across the world for an end of Israel's occupation in Gaza and the West Bank and for stopping more illegal settlements in Palestine and the state of Israel's practices against Palestinians. Mohammed al-Kurd, a key activist leader in the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah in East Jerusalem, says, you can help us by placing political pressure, boycotting, divesting, being with us in person, or protesting abroad. You can help us by understanding that the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah is a microcosm of Israeli federal colonialism in Palestine. In the transcript, I'll post several petitions you can sign and share with your friends, your family, and your church, and information about how to support HR 2590. This is a House bill that will end the use of U.S. taxes being used to detain and torture Palestinian children, to demolish and seize Palestinian homes, and to further annex Palestinian land in the occupied West Bank. It's also super important to learn more about how anti-Semitism actually works. Because as many Jewish organizers have told us, to criticize the actions of Israel against Palestinians is not inherently anti-Semitic, but it can be. To learn more about how anti-Semitism works, I encourage you to check out Understanding Anti-Semitism, a resource from Jews for Racial and Economic Justice by Dove Kench and Aurora Levins-Morales. As Christians who care about racial justice, our task when it comes to Palestine is clear to take responsibility for how our faith is wielded to cause death, destruction, and dehumanization of Palestinians. And to continue to fight anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Jesus opened the eyes of those he taught to the reality of God's kingdom that we already share here, right in creation. Teaching us how to share that creation together is exactly what Jesus came to instruct us how to do. His ministry was clear. He told us, I have come to proclaim release to the captives, Jesus said, and to set the oppressed free. This is the prophetic proclamation we should be listening to, not wielding the Bible like a plaything to create hell on earth. Thank you so much for listening. Copyright information, references, and resources for action are at the transcript at showingupforracialjustice.org. Now a final word from my friend and my teacher, Rabbi Jessica Rosenberg. Palestine will be free. The occupation will end. Palestinians will be able to return to their land. For non-Palestinian Jews and Christians, we have a choice. To be silent and complicit as our sacred texts are used to justify and fuel this brutality. To say it's too hard and look away. Or to speak up and take action, all kinds of action. All people in the U.S. have a role to play in Palestine solidarity movements. Progressive Christians and Jews have specific roles to play, just as I need to take account for Zionism in my tradition and community and build a Judaism beyond Zionism. Christians must take account for Zionism in their traditions and community, including the colonization that it's fueled, the anti-Semitism and Islamophobia that it perpetuates. Every day is a chance to show up and speak out.